Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Have you ever received some news that just turned your world upside down? Now, I think the perfect example, and, and typically this would be the, the immediate thought to receiving some news that would turn your world upside down as like a health scare, right? You would get a phone call uh, that no one wants to get, that you've got cancer or you're terminally ill or something like that. that would, that's kind of one of those no-brainers, like that would turn your life upside down. I just watched a TED Talk this week of a, a 35-year-old woman that was having some abdominal pains, and she went to the doctor and did some tests and went off for a couple of days, and then she got a phone call phone call you don't want to get. Uh, and this time it was the PA, the physician's assistant, wasn't even the doctor, but the PA said, hey, listen, you've got stage four cancer. You need to get to the hospital right now. I can't imagine, and maybe you've experienced something similar, or maybe you know someone that's received a call like that, but that completely turned her life upside down. And then for her to then have to call her husband and deliver that message, it's going to turn his life upside down as well. It just, it would go on and on then to the kids. And you can't just, it's hard to even fathom unless you've experienced just the hardness of that conversation or that message and the impact that news would have upon your remaining life, the rest of the life that you have been given. Now, maybe you've received news that's not so, that's not on the grim side. Uh, maybe it's more positive that you were expecting. That's some life-changing news that can turn your world upside down in a hurry to, to think about uh, having a child and bringing a child into this world and how exciting that can be and how nerve-wracking it can be if you've never had a kid. And that, that can be some pretty amazing news. And it can turn your world upside down. Well, if you've been around church enough, you kind of know where I'm going to go with this. There's some news out there that's pretty life-altering as well. And it can turn your life upside down. I've been reading through Acts and I've moved on. But while I was reading through Acts, one of the things that always comes to my attention is how amazing it is to see people that have never heard about Jesus hear about Jesus. I mean, this is news that is life-changing. And it still is today. But you get to visualize and picture this news being delivered to people that have never heard this news. And then you kind of can see the results of it. And we're going to kind of unpack some of that today. In fact, if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and go to Acts chapter 17. Now, this will be a great Sunday to kind of take notes. If you uh, have a, a, a tablet with you or uh, mascara and a paper or whatever you got, okay, use that today to kind of take down some notes here. But in Acts chapter 17, this is just one of those stories where you can see how this news plays a role in your life. And what this news does, it's not just to be received, it literally turns your world upside down. So Acts chapter 17, verse 1, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis, uh, Amphipolis, those are one of those tough words, and Apollonia, and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about 
is the Messiah, the sent one, the promised one, the one from God. He's the Messiah. Verse 4, some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. So here before the city council, they're going to lay out their charges against these believers. Here's the problem they've got with these Christians. Here's what the whole hubbub is all about. This is why they're dragging them out. They're causing a riot. They've got a crowd, but here they take them to the council and say, here's our problem. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. They shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. Verse 8, the people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. Okay, we've got some Jewish people quite upset. They're offended about this message of Jesus. It's very offensive, highly offensive to them that there's this Messiah. And, and they're, they're so upset that they, their case in this, before the city council is, is that they submit to another king. And they want the Romans' help. And so it's like, hey, this isn't Caesar. This is another king that they're submitting to, that they have allegiance to. It's King Jesus. But when they say these believers have caused trouble in the world, that's what the New Living Translation translates it. They have caused trouble in the world. It literally means in Greek, they have turned the world upside down. Okay, there has been a disturbance in the force. We know a phrase like, hey, that turned my life upside down. It, this is what it means. I mean, things are not what they were. We're not the norm anymore. It's a whole different ball game. Literally, they've turned the world upside down. This news has created quite a mess. The gospel is shaking the world so much that it's flipped upside down. There's quite this disturbance, which made me think, for you and for me, let's ask ourselves this question. Believer, okay? Got to be a believer. Are you turning this world upside down or going with the flow? If you claim Christ, would there be a charge against you? Man, oh, Matt, he has turned this world upside down. Bailey, she has turned this world upside down. Or would they even know your name? Because you fit in really nice. I ask myself that. As a follower of Christ, I'm called to shake things up. And not to be a punk to shake things up, but for the cause of Christ. We weren't created to, uh, or saved to be the norm. We're called to be a world changer. To turn the world upside down. Now that can seem like a daunting task, right? That seems like a lot of pressure. But it's less about you and more about the message. Because it's the news that has the power to turn the world upside down. But there must be a deliverer of the news. The plan has always been for the news to get out, it's up to the believers to take the news to the masses. But don't take the credit for the world being turned upside down. It's this amazing news that we're here to tell people about. 
That's what's going to change the world. But there must be a deliverer. And so I want to talk to you about being a world changer today. As I look through this passage, uh, there's three things that I really want to highlight in how to be this world changer, how to turn the world upside down. So I want you to take notes today. I want you to write this down. Number one, seek. If you're going to change the world, it's going to start with you seeking. What did Paul do? Verse two, as was Paul's custom, he went. Where did he go? Well, what we know he went to do was seek the lost, to seek to spend time with people that didn't know Jesus. Now, in his day, he could find those people that didn't know about Jesus in a church setting. And sadly, you could probably say the same might be true today. But he wasn't going to a Christian worship service. He was going to this Jewish service. And so he intentionally went to something that he didn't completely believe in, at least what they were teaching. But he did this to be around people who didn't believe. And did you see? It was his custom. This was his strategy. This was his plan to be intentional to seek the lost. It was normal for Paul to go seek people who didn't know about Jesus kind of really low-hanging fruit to a certain degree that there's some spiritual context, but they don't know about Jesus. And so he's going to go there to tell them about Jesus. There's at least an opportunity for a conversation. So it was his custom to go to the synagogue, to these people that didn't know about Jesus, to tell them about Jesus. And so today, you got to figure out, where do you need to seek? Paul's custom, I know where I can go. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to tell people about Jesus. But he was intentional with it, and he sought, or he was seeking those conversations. What about you? Where should you go? I don't know. Let's throw up one. Maybe work. Maybe it's work where you should go. Nick, do you, have, do you, do you put them all together or you do one? Okay, work. There's a high chance that already in your circle of influence, there's a, you've got lost people around you. Now, it is then being spiritually sensitive enough to know when to engage in the conversation or how to engage in the conversation, but you've got to seek those connections. The ability to be around people that don't believe in Jesus. Maybe it's school for you. Some of you are even older. My, my wife, who is, has her uh, business degree, but because she's a school teacher, has to go back and take some master-level courses to get completely certified. She's already certified, but to get officially certified in the state of Oklahoma, she's back at UCO taking classes. Maybe you're older, maybe you're younger in this room, but like Isaac, at your school, Isaac, at your school, there's kids that don't know Jesus, right? Is that true? Yeah, Mrs. Smith, is that true? You know some kids that, okay, Mace, like, and when I say Mace, it could be either one of y'all, Mace. And so at your school, there are people that don't know Jesus. You seek and have those eyes to find them. Maybe it's home for you or your family. Maybe it's a home life, maybe it's family life. Maybe they don't actually live in your home, but it's a in-laws or parents or cousins or aunts, aunties and unkies or whatever they're called. And, and uh you need to build that relationship. <laughs> Unkies, I don't know where that came from. I don't think that's a thing. Home, family, neighborhood. Maybe it's literal neighbors. Maybe it's uh, the, the neighborhood outings. It's your street. It's people around you that you know that don't know Jesus. It could be a place you frequent. Maybe you become a regular, let's say, at a coffee shop. And you've built relationships with people. You get to know people. You are seeking to be around people that don't know Jesus, the, the idea, though, is this, okay, wherever that may be, that you're intentional about never becoming a holy huddle. As Christians, it is comfortable, it's convenient to huddle up and be together and sing kumbaya a lot. Isn't, it's, I love it, and I, it gives me warm spiritual fuzzies, and, and it's fun to do, 
But that's not the mission we were called to do. Yes, don't mishear me. You need godly friends. That, that needs to be your confidence. You need to have uh, spiritual wisdom given to you, and you need that fellowship and connection with believers. I'm not, not saying that. Yes, you need godly accountability. You need that, that godly speaking into your life like that and holding you accountable. But as a believer, we have a mission. We have a mission to go to the world and tell the masses about this news. Even Jesus could have said, I'm, I like it here in heaven. I'm not going down to earth. But he had a mission. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Who, those who are lost. And so we can't be afraid to get around people that don't believe like we do. They're, they can be scary. I get it. But they're not. They're made in the image of God. They're human. They don't have to be scary. They just don't believe the same as you do. And guess what? Don't expect them to. Lost people act lost. You wouldn't expect someone that doesn't believe in Jesus to act like or live like they believe in Jesus, right? Because they don't. But just go in with an understanding. They're going to say dumb things that you don't agree with. They're going to say things that uh, could even be highly offensive to you. But we love and we lead with love and we lead with forgiveness because we have a mission. We want people to know about this incredible God. We want them to know about the Savior that died for them, rose again, and has made a way for them to be okay with God. And so we want to seek the connection for the dying. Now, we know why Paul sought, why he was a seeker, right? And why did he go, though? Why did he seek? Look at the end of verse 2. For three Sabbaths in a row... He used the scriptures to reason with the people. What's he using? He's using the Bible. He's using God's word even to say, hey, this is about Jesus. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. He goes back to the Old Testament and says, oh, this prophecy in Isaiah and this prophecy in Jeremiah. And this, this, this is all about Jesus. And, you know, I just told you about this Jesus that came to earth and he died and rose again. That's the one. That's the connection point. It's Jesus is the Messiah. So not only do you need to seek, secondly, you need to speak. Did I hear an amen? Seek and speak. Now, of course, think about it. Paul would never have the opportunity to speak if he would have stayed in a home, a hut, or a hotel and never seek those opportunities. He had to seek the loss, but it starts with seeking, but then you gotta get to speaking. It starts with seeking, but then you gotta get to speaking. The word, and not just the word, Jesus. Your testimony, his story and God's story. Your story and his story, okay? That's what you wanna share. But as a church, we try to teach this. Our mission statement is what? Reaching the city, to reach the world one day at a time. I would love for you to memorize it if you haven't yet. That's just what we feel called to do, to reach the city, to reach the world one day at a time. Now, to reach the city is really kind of our community, our circle of influence. We want to see people saved. But we're not going to see people saved if we're not speaking the gospel, if we're not delivering the gospel as his messengers. We've got to speak the good news of Jesus. The verb form of the gospel in the scripture actually literally means to proclaim. It's a proclamation of good news. The gospel means to proclaim it, this, this news of Jesus. And so that means we cannot speak the gospel just by our lifestyle. That's not gonna cut it. 
Your lifestyle isn't good enough to speak that Jesus died for you, rose again, has life for you, paid the price and penalty of your sin just because you lived a decent life. Now listen, the walk and talk when they match, way more powerful. But you can't just walk it out, you gotta talk. Kim and I just moved into a new home. Kim's back in the nursery of E-Kids. But we just got uh, a new home. The market was great. Uh, we liked our last house, we didn't love it, and so we, we listed it and sold it way more than we ever paid for. It was great. Now, if we wanted you to come over, we wanted you to find our house, the destination of coming over to our glorious house. How awesome. I mean, you're already excited, right? Just thinking about coming over. And we wanted you to come over. But let's say we didn't tell you the address. We just had patted you on the shoulder and just asked how your day was. Does that get you to the destination? No. Because you still don't know the address. It was nice of us to ask you how your day was. It was nice of us to pat you on the back. But yet you never made it to the destination because you didn't know the destination. It would be like hugging you and say, there's our house. See you later. You'd be like, Where, where's the house? That hug. There it is. No, it doesn't get you to the final destination. You need to know the address. You need to know the way. You need to know it's by Sprouts. That's all I'm giving you. Okay, that is it. Pe crazy people are online watching this right now. I'm just kidding. Okay, just trying, trying to get you going here. But I would need to speak it. I would need to tell it. Buying someone's coffee in line behind you is a great idea, especially if I'm the one behind you. It's awesome. It is a great idea. But it doesn't tell someone how to be okay with God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. No, sometimes the coffee gets you to the conversation. Don't mishear me. But you can't stop at the coffee. We need to get to where we're speaking the good news of Jesus. The gospel is an announcement. It's a proclamation. It is talking about it. It's to let people know that Jesus died on a cross and that if we would repent and turn to him, and put our faith and trust in him, we would be okay with God because he loves us unconditionally. So today I want to encourage you, speak. And really speaking, you can do it. And it but it starts with a want to. If you never want to, you're not ever going to. It starts with a desire to say, I do want to. And you can be scared to death right now, and that's okay. I give you permission right now to be scared because we're going to cover that. But it, it's, it still has to start with a want to a desire to share. And really what increases my desire to share is to realize there is an afterlife at stake. Heaven and hell are both real and we wanna be a fork in the road for people. And I also, my want to increases when I realize one, eternity is at stake, but also that it's not just for a select few. That God has me on this earth for a reason, and it's the responsibility of all believers. God placed you where you are in this season of your life with divine intention. Where you are has a divine purpose. It is a divine intention. Your work, your school, your home, and, and you might be looking for other work, and you might be wanting to get out of school, but seize the moment you have. God will use it for his glory. No one else is going to walk the path God designed for you. No one is. It's your call. It's your calling. Be obedient. Speak. Now, I'm, I look forward to this series because I'm going to help you. 
uh, we're going to go over this three circles. There's a, this, uh, a way that I'm learning how to share my faith. I've, I've used all kinds of different things, EE, faith, my own personal. I've given you a simple way to lead someone to Jesus. Just to give you another tool in the toolbox, we're going to unpack a way to share your faith visually. And we'll go over all that. But today, I, I want to encourage you to start speaking and never stop. Paul said this uh, in Ephesians. He asked these believers to pray this. He says, I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Now, this is a, a man in the Bible that always seemed incredibly bold. Well, maybe we see why. Because he had people praying for him. Start praying that you would be bold and that you would never stop speaking. He says, pray. I will keep on speaking. Pray it. Have other people pray it for you. Say, pray for me that I would keep on speaking. Now, before we move on to the third thing, I want to break this down because there are a couple things that will happen when you speak. I'll say three. When you speak, A, some will accept what you're saying. When you speak, some people are going to believe in this message. And that's great news, right? And that's encouraging. Happened here, verse 4 in Acts 17. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. If you share enough, you will get to lead someone to Jesus, I promise you. You share enough. You speak enough. You seek enough. You'll have that opportunity where someone say, I'm in. I want what you have. I need that. My life is, is not what it needs to be. I want Jesus in my life. Some will accept, but also some will reject. It's not what we want. It isn't fun, but it happens. People reject what you're saying. And let's even take it a little bit further. Let's say it's not just a normal, hey, I'm not interested. It's a you suck kind of, I'm not interested. Get away with me with this ridiculousness, door in your face, or shunning you, that type. Look at Acts 17, verse 5. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. Okay, so this isn't a normal rejection. This is violent, and I hate that you shared with me type of rejection. Now, why did they do this? They wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They were quite happy living life not upside down. They liked how their life was and their control over their religion and their thoughts. And so they didn't want anything to do with this. And so much that they thought it was blasphemy. It was against their way of living and against their God. And so they created quite the stir. Now, I'll tell you this. The vast majority of the time that I have shared my faith, I have rarely landed in that category. Rarely. I can only think of two, maybe three, the third one wasn't as bad, but two where it was contentious in conversation. Isaac and I were talking about this this week. I don't even remember why, Isaac, but we were laying down there talking about sharing. And then I've shared my faith, okay, many times. And really just a couple got intense, angry. Because usually if, if there is some sort of debate and I know there's no interest, I bow out. There's no need. It's pearl before swine, really, at that point. If it's open and we're having a healthy debate, I'm fine with that, too. I like that. But when it gets, there's a line, you know, it's like, okay, this is not going anywhere. We're just going to leave it at that. But you know what mostly happens when I share my faith? It's not 
they accept, honestly. I'll be honest with you. It's not that one, and it's not the rejection one. It's the third one. Some will think. Some will think. Some will accept. Some will reject, and some will think. Now, some might get technical and say, well, this is rejection. It's the nonviolent kind, though. This is, you had a good conversation, and they said, I don't want to give my life to Jesus now, but you gave me something to think about. I would say you planted a seed. That's primarily what happens. People think about it. The Bible says in Acts 17, some accepted, some rejected. And it's safe to assume, I think, some people decided to think about it. Paul went three Sabbaths, and in that time, people had to think about it, and some accepted, and some rejected. And and I'm willing to bet that some said, you know what, I'm going to think about this, and maybe became a Christian later. Who knows? But when you share your faith, you get so focused on the rejection, you don't share your faith again. Don't worry about that. It's very minute for that to happen. It's very minor. What the majority of your conversations, if you have a relationship with this person or connection with this person, is you give someone something to think about it. But you do it enough, I promise you, someone will accept, and you'll see someone cross over from death to life. And so we seek, we speak, and here's the third thing. It doesn't rhyme, but it's still important. Sacrifice. I'm alliterating today, y'all. We got some S's, okay? Sacrifice. When you follow Jesus, you seek the loss, you speak the name of Jesus, there's always going to be some level of sacrifice. Sometimes it's your reputation. Sometimes it's physical harm. Sometimes it's the loss of social status or friends. Sometimes it's money. You go to Acts 17.9. So the officials forced Jason, who's a believer, and the other believers to post bond and then they released them. This stuck out to me in Acts 17 because they had to pay money to be free simply because they were believers. It cost them financially as a, to be a, a Christian, to be free because they were dragged from their homes. They were accused of turning the world upside down. To get free, they had to give some money to say, let us go. They had to post bond. I don't know my brother and sister in Christ, those who put their faith and trust in you, I'll tell you this, persecution is coming. I don't know how. It could be financial loss. It could just be in social status. It might be physical. I don't know, but it's coming. That's what I do know. It is. I remember saying that 20 years ago in student ministry and being like, not really believing it. I believe it more today. John 15, 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, Remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. And then Paul echoes that same sentiment, 2 Timothy 3.12. This verse is, is a tough one. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Can you just look at that again? You know, at some point, we're going to do a series. I think it's going to be around Easter. I'm probably going to title it something different, but it's like passages I hate. Because if you've ever read through the Bible, you get to some stories that make you almost vomit. Like it's that intense or that 
uh, disruptive to the spirit. Like, there's some stuff in there that's just hard to swallow, right? I think I'm going to call it cringeworthy or something like that, a little less tame than passages I hate. <laughs> I just tell you, there are some that I, I don't like reading. And, and this one, is it kind of necessarily on par with some of the other ones I'm talking about? But this one's not easy to read. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, don't you all want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? You might not want to raise your hand right now because you know what's next. But I want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. But what will happen? You will suffer persecution. The scripture teaches us that those who follow the Lord passionately will face persecution. The disciples, all but one, history and tradition teaches us, was martyred for the faith. Peter was crucified upside down for the cause of Christ. Paul died. All but one, of course, Judas and then John. But I can't help but think of what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.14. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Now, this is a good one. If you're insulted, that's another form of persecution. Because you bear the name of Christ. Do you see how this is flipped upside down? We talked about our world being turned upside down. What God did is he turned the scoring system upside down. If you ever played golf, raise your hand. You ever played golf? In golf, you want the lowest score possible. Okay? I've played, I think, with most of the guys in this room, and there's not one that could even keep up with me in this room. Okay, I'm just... But if we were playing the Stableford system, you, most of these guys would win. You know why? Because that's a scoring system that's upside down. You've got to play, you want the bigger number. I, like, last time I played with Jason, I think I was like three over, he was like 30 over. I'm just kidding, Jason. <laughs> but in the Stableford system, it's higher the number. Now here, got, uh, throw it back up, Nick, almost perfectly. It says, you will be blessed. See, we would think if you are insulted or persecuted because of the name of the Christ, you are cursed, you are tragically been hurt or wounded. The scripture says, no, 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 no that, that's the wrong system. If you're harmed, if you're insulted because you are a Christian, no, 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 that ain't bad. You're blessed. And why are you blessed? Because the spirit of the glory of God will rest on you. That's the win. You want to win? You're persecuted. But see, why do some of you not share? Because you don't want to be persecuted. Because you're on the wrong scoring system. You don't want any shame. You don't want any suffering. You don't want any potential harm to come your way. Which, by the way, we're still in a very blessed, <laughs> safe time for that. And it could be changing. So might as well step into those moments now. And get some practice. But the scoring system says if you're insulted because of Jesus, you're blessed. Because God's presence is going to rest on you. You want an intimacy with Christ? Those that are persecuted know Jesus greater than, by far than any of us. Unless we've experienced the suffering of Christ. See, not only does the world get turned upside down by Jesus, so does the scoring system. And so the sacrifice is worth it. Because there is a cost when you follow Jesus, but you know Jesus gave it all for you. And since Jesus gave it all for you, you want to give it back to him. 
The sacrifice is so worth it because for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave, and so we want to give back to God. That's good news. That's worth the sacrifice. That God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you. And so church, we need to seek, we need to speak, and we need to be willing to sacrifice. And if we do those things, our world will be upside down. And so church, let's go turn this world upside down. Stick with me this series, and we're going to unpack some fears, and we're going to unpack how to. And we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. All through a spirit of prayer, because it's a supernatural. But we've got to be willing to seek, speak, and sacrifice. Lord, I pray that for us. As believers, that we would be intentional about being around people that don't know you. Not where we compromise and not where we're acting as though we don't believe in you. That's uh, fool's gold. That's, re- that's sin. We, we don't want to compromise. We want to stick out and stand up for you, but we do want those opportunities to share our faith. And so help us seek and help us speak. Give us the boldness to keep speaking. If Paul needed prayer to keep speaking, we need it. Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for everyone in this room and those online that we would continue speaking the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that would be willing to lay it all down because you laid it all down for us. We know the heartbeat of scripture, that God, you are a giving God. You gave the world that you love your son. And Jesus, you laid down your life for us. And so I pray that we'd be willing to sacrifice no matter what it is for the glory, for your renown, for your fame, dear Lord. And if we are persecuted, which the scripture teaches us, if we want to live a godly life, we're going to face it. We don't even have to pray it because it's truth, but I pray we'd be aware of your glory resting upon us. And we would see the great win that that truly is. That success, being obedient, even to the point if if we face persecution, that your glory would rest upon us. And so to you, be all glory. Anoint us and help us. Give us favor in those conversations. And I pray for everyone in this room, everyone watching this online, they would see someone put their faith and trust in you. Give them that, God. Save souls. I pray for these willing witnesses and you would put seeking souls in their path. Lord, please help them lead someone to you. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.